Well, there's the Declaration of Independence. There was the Gettysburg Address. There's free trade. There's President Roosevelt's famous Four Freedoms from 1941, when he said freedom of speech everywhere, freedom of worship everywhere, freedom from want everywhere, and freedom from fear everywhere. Freedom is a, a topic that's often talked about in our culture. Even, even today, there's a lot of talk about freedom, and, and the lack thereof seems to be the conversation uh, in, in our current culture. And, and, it, and freedom, is, it's at the pinnacle of several movies that I've seen through the years. Um, in Braveheart, William Wallace, if you've seen that movie played by Mel Gibson, is, he, he's being martyred at the end of that show. He's been fighting for, for freedom, really of his people um, from the uh, overlords of the English who are ruling uh, Scotland. And, and he's trying to lead this rebellion, if you will. And instead of saving his own life as he's given the opportunity to do in the, in the end of the movie, he's laying there stretched out from one end to the next and, and, and the guy that's going to do the killing of him has this sharp knife, curled knife that... that is, is used to exert extreme pain and slow death. And they once again give him the opportunity to, to get out of this situation if he will just recant the rebellion and, and help support the English nobles. And do you remember what he says? And he doesn't just say it quietly. Uh, he says, Freedom! And, and, and you can hear it. They show the, the faces of all the people throughout the, the courtyard and throughout the kingdom, if you will, um, in this castle and, and all of the people that are hearing this. He, want, he wants freedom for his people. Um, and, and there are many ideas in our world as to what freedom really is. What is freedom, really? Um, as I mentioned last week, some believe that freedom is the ability to do whatever they want whenever they want to. Well, it seems like common sense, doesn't it? If I'm really free, I should be able to do whatever I want to, whenever I want to. Some believe that freedom um, is available to them today. But actually, if you really think about it, that's really not freedom. Now, Think about this. Have you, ever, have you ever watched a movie or a television show where there is one incredibly powerful bad guy? Okay, he's the meanest. He's the nastiest. He's not nice to anybody. But yet he has like a dozen people that are following him and that are working for him and that are, are doing that willingly. Have you ever thought to yourself, I do this. I'm like, what are those guys thinking? Why don't they just walk away from this guy? Because... You know, there's enormous pressure being a lackey for a big, powerful thug or mobster in a, in a movie or a TV show. You know, because he's sending you out to do all of his dirty work, right? And, and if you fail at doing what he wants you to do, what happens? Yeah, he fires you, sort of. Um, you know what happens to him. And, and you just wonder, why on earth would that guy continue in the bondage and the anxiety and, and, and trying to to do what this guy wants when, when he's not really free. And, and Paul has been trying to explain this to us all along throughout the course of 
the book of Galatians. Those guys are constantly worrying about their safety, the incredible pressure that must be on their shoulders and trying to do exactly what they're told without messing up. Well, at first it may seem like Christianity doesn't have much to offer when it comes to freedom. I mean, our children are constantly told by their friends at school that, that um, trying to be good is, is you know, it, it's so last year. It's, it's so boring. Um, where's the excitement in that? Where's the excitement in doing what you're told? They hear this. We all did, I think. We all heard this. And, and we sort of grow up and, and we start thinking to ourselves, well, gee, there's, there's all of these don'ts. There's all of these lists of things that I can't do that everybody else gets to do, but I can't do. They're having all the fun. I'm not. What, what, what am I doing? And, and to be honest with you, um, and we know the truth of this, it's just, that's just a big lie. Because ultimately, there isn't joy and peace in those things. There isn't love. There isn't fulfillment. There isn't purpose. It's all very, very empty. But that's the cry of the world. That is uh, influenced and controlled by the evil one who we know is out to kill and destroy whoever he can. Yet the Bible is dripping with the language of freedom. It's everywhere on the pages of Scripture. Um, Jesus said that He was all about freedom. Um, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 61, it talks about, uh, it talks about people being set free. It's, it's the prophecy of Jesus coming and what He's going to do. The Israelites were freed from the Egyptians. John says that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. And Paul argues for freedom in this letter to the Galatians. Now, we read last week that for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. As Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we are truly free. I really appreciate Ty saying, hey, let's all just take a big deep breath. I really needed to do that this morning. Big deep breath. Now, let me give you a very simple definition of Christian freedom. Christian freedom. It is freedom from the bondage that is caused by having to earn the favor of God. I don't know. Did I put that in the notes this morning, Craig? Let me repeat that so you can write it down. Christian freedom is the freedom, is freedom from the bondage that is caused by having to earn the favor of God. Think about that. Think about that. What incredible freedom there is in Jesus. As I studied this week, I was reminded of a quote that I heard a couple years ago. and uh, It says this, Pastors start out walking with Jesus and they end up working for Him. Pastors start out in their ministry walking with Jesus and they end up after years working for Him kind of feels that way sometimes. And, and when that happens, what, what has happened in my own life and in the life of any of you who feel that that's where your life has come to, that, that, you're, not, that you're no longer walking with Him, you're not walking hand in hand and He's carrying you and you need to be carried, but yet you are working for Him. What has happened is 
we have slipped back into the bondage of slavery, as Paul is saying. And we have, we have conceded the idea that, that my, uh, my standing, my favor with God is dependent on my production, my performance. It's falling into slavery. And you know as well as I do, it's tiring. It's exhausting. And to be honest, it's just not possible. It's not possible. I have to remember that He loves me, period. He loves me, period. He loves me when I succeed and He owes me no greater blessing when I do. And He loves me when I fail. And He loves me no less when I do. And I think Paul shows us in Galatians, if you haven't turned there yet in your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Paul shows us in this passage that we're going to look at today, Christian freedom is it's two things. Okay, Christian freedom is two things. First of all, it's freedom from bondage. It's freedom from bondage. It's from slavery, from the effort to earn God's favor. And the second thing is, it's freedom for righteousness. It's freedom for righteousness, which is an absolute certainty as the Holy Spirit works in our lives as we talked about last week. I hope hope that that some of the things that we talked about last week, I hope you had questions about those and that you've been, you've been reading and studying and, and meditating and searching the Scriptures for answers. Uh, look at chapter 5, verse 5. You have your Bibles open. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. You know, we, we've investigated at length Paul's explanation of our freedom from bondage, our freedom from the law unto salvation. So this morning we're going to look at the second, which is this, freedom for righteousness. And as we do that, I first want to look at three things that freedom is not, because that's exactly what Paul does for us. There's three things that Paul says freedom is not. So let's, let's read Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, and uh, I'll make some observations in broad brushstrokes this morning. Beginning in verse 13, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So, first of all, Christian freedom, Paul says, is not freedom to indulge the flesh. It's not freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. And, and you know as well as I do, when we lack controls in our life, when we lack boundaries, what happens? Chaos, pain, heartache, emotional pain, physical pain. Now think about this. Can you think of anything in life, anything in life, where there isn't some kind of boundary? Anything where there isn't some kind of boundary. I thought about that this week. There are, there's, there's boundaries. And I thought, well, what would be a, a good illustration of this point? And, and I think, uh, you know, I, I was just thinking this morning, the freedom that we have to roam around our country. You know, I was over in Nebraska yesterday, um, did a wedding, and... Um, I didn't have to stop at the border and show my papers, show my driver's license. I just went. We jumped in the car and went. We could have decided to leave at 10. We could have decided to leave at, you know, whatever. There's, there's incredible freedom in our country to, to explore and drive around, isn't there? But there are still boundaries within that. I couldn't drive 100 miles an hour to get there, which I would have liked to have because it was a long ways away. You know, less time on the road. But I stuck with the speed limits. And it's a good thing because on the way there, I, I, I met at least three Nebraska state troopers. Now, are those boundaries there to limit my freedom and to make it take longer for me to get from one place to another? No. They're to protect me, my family, and my car, and other people on the road. So I, I still have the freedom. I still have the liberty to do so, but there are still some boundaries and controls around that. Um. The freedom that we have to roam around this country does not give us the liberty to do whatever we want in roaming around this country. Paul says right here, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, once again, I think it's important for us to look at a Greek word or two in our text today. And the Greek word for indulge, and if you have a New American Standard translation, they use the word opportunity. Let me read it to you from the New American Standard. In verse 13 it says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Okay, opportunity for the flesh. The Greek word that's used here is used in a military context. For a place for which an offensive is launched. It's a base of operations. Paul is saying, do not use your freedom to create a base of operations to indulge the flesh. And, and as I read that, and as I think about that, you know, because all of us, we're like, man, I, you know, you look through that list and it's like, I've, I've, I was angry yesterday. Um... You know, does that, when, to, when I get to the end of, of that little section there where um, Paul says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, am I out when that happens? That's not what Paul's saying. 
Um, Paul is saying if you have established if you have established a base of operations and this is how you are operating, there's a disconnect here. There, there's a gap. Um, there's 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 cause to question whether you are being controlled by the Holy Spirit or not. So you need to to do some self evaluation. Go back to step one and ask the question, Lord, am I justified? Because we're going to make mistakes. We're going we're gonna to be selfish. There's going to be factions. There's, there's going to be envy. I mean, just, but Paul says, look, I, Jesus didn't set us free for you just to live however you want. Um, Romans is another great letter to read some of this stuff. He's very clear in the book of Romans when it comes to this sort of stuff. You know, because, uh, you know, there are folks in here who, who, who lived ugly, ugly, sinful lives and then the, the grace of Jesus Christ came down and grabbed a hold of them and, and freed them from that. And there was an incredible amount of grace there. And, and then Paul says, so, so the more we sin, the more grace there is. So he says, I know what you're thinking. In that liberty, in that freedom, well, I, I want to experience God's grace, so I'm just going to live my life like crazy so I can really experience God's grace. It's like, no! It's not what I'm talking about. That is not what I'm talking about. Paul is talking about a constant lifestyle here. He's saying our Christian freedom is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Our liberty in Christ is not unbridled license. Unbridled license leads to living a life of destruction and death and bondage. And if you think about yourself, so I think about myself before Christ saved me. I was in bondage to those things. I didn't know any difference. That's just what I did. And in Christ, there will be a battle within us concerning the things that Paul's talking about today. Standing firm in our freedom, he says, empowered by the Holy Spirit in our lives, our souls will wrestle with these things. They will wrestle with these behaviors. They will wrestle with right and wrong. They will wrestle with being honest and shading the truth a little bit. And as we will see, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and as we walk with Him, we can overcome those things. Those things that Paul mentions in verse 19, they are not at peace with the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul, in verse 19, he gives a list, and this isn't an exhaustive list, but as you read through that, just about everything is covered. Every aspect of our lives. Physical, sexual, emotional, psychological, our relationships with other people. I mean, it, it, it's fairly descriptive. And, and if you are sitting here this morning, and as you read through that list, there are any of those things in your life, and you are comfortable with those things in your life, you are misusing freedom. It's not the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. And it is not freedom from controls. It is freedom from the bondage that is caused by having to earn the favor of God. Christian freedom is not to indulge the flesh. Christian freedom is also not freedom to exploit my neighbor, Paul says. Look, Look right there, Paul says. We are to serve one another humbly in love. Now that is a loaded statement. There is all kinds of things that fit into that statement right there. 
First of all, the first thing that strikes me in that verse right there is the, the fact that he says humbly. Many of us in our culture today, we need a good, strong dose of humility. When we, when we are empowered by Twitter and we are empowered by Facebook and we are empowered by the written text, we can be very, very arrogant and hurtful. And we need to remember that Paul says, serve one another humbly in love. He says, do not bite and devour each other, which destroys us. And you can think of times in relationships that you've had where there's been this biting back and forth, and what has it, how has it served in your relationship with those other people and your relationship with people that don't even know that that's going on? You know, I, I was working, uh, putting some shingles on my garage this week in the evenings, and there was one evening, and I was exhausted. It had been a long day, lots of phone calls, Lots of little fires. Lot, I mean, leading up even to when I'm on the, the roof, the phone is ringing and I'm answering it and, and that sort of thing. And um, there was nothing going right on the roof that evening. Nothing. The wind was blowing. It was nice and cool, but the, the shingles wouldn't lay flat. And, and I'm up there by myself because when we tore it off, my wife kind of hurt her back and now she's unable to get up there and help me. So I'm up there by myself. And nothing is going right. Even the next day. And, and it was all due to, the, to the, just the, the tiredness and the exhaustion that I was feeling. And nothing was going right. And just the little things were frustrating me. And that doesn't happen with me. I don't get frustrated easily. And when I fell off the roof, that was the thing that... Uh, that was sort of the beginning of the end, actually. Um, sprawled in the alley on my back. Looking around to see if anybody noticed or saw it or... Haven't seen it on Facebook so, or YouTube, so we're good there. But, but, but we can fall into that, can't we? we th- this sense of selfishness gets a hold of us. And, and, and we start doing things to the people that we love. And Paul says, don't let that happen. Our freedom that we have is not to treat anybody however we like. And as we all, as Christ's followers, are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, when we start, when we start living that way and treating people that way, essentially what we do, I, I was thinking about that this week, the Holy Spirit, think of the Holy Spirit as this uh, um, um, down-filled mummy sleeping bag, okay? He wants to fill your whole life. And, and as we choose not to walk with the Holy Spirit, we choose to go our own way and make our own decisions, we begin stuffing Him into that bag and we stuff Him in until He's just in this tiny little corner in our life, still there, but we've shoved Him away and said, you know what, I can do this on my own. No, let's not quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. Christian freedom is not a license to do whatever we want. Liberty is not permission to disregard other people around us. And if you think about the view that freedom is the ability to do whatever we want whenever we want, it just doesn't work, does it? I mean, really. It just doesn't exist. Christian freedom is not the freedom to exploit my neighbor, and Christian freedom is not freedom to disregard the law. 
conversation with somebody this week. They're like, I don't understand Paul. It's like he says it's not the law on one, and then he says we're, it is the law. You know what? Is, he can't have it both ways, right? Well, Paul is talking not about justification when it comes to the law. He's talking about sanctification when it comes to the law. Justification is what we receive, our, that's our salvation. Jesus justified us on the cross. And we talked about it, I think it was three weeks ago, when we looked at those three things. The Judaizers were saying that, yes, believe in Jesus. Two, obey the law and follow the customs and be circumcised. And three, you'll be saved. But what Jesus says and what Paul says is that, one, believe in Jesus. Two, you will be saved. And then three, then you will have the power and the desire to obey the law. That's what Paul is saying here. The law is still there. We still need to be obedient to the commands of God. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. Now, in obedience to Him, does that take away our freedom? No, it doesn't. I think it, it actually provides and empowers for our freedom. It empowers us for freedom, for righteousness. And that righteousness that begin, God begins to work into our life, the big word for that is sanctification. He seeks to sanctify us, to, to conform us to Him. So Christian freedom is not indulging the flesh, it's not exploiting our neighbors or disregarding the law, it's not doing whatever I want whenever I want. Really, I mean, that, that kind of thinking is, is it, it truly is just nonsense. There isn't a human being on the planet that could live that way. And, and not have all kinds of problems in their life. Created by this sense of freedom or liberty or license to do whatever. The acts of our flesh are obvious. But as Paul says, as children of God, as heirs of the kingdom, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. Um, I am convinced that what Paul is saying is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit as a person. And that fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not a conjuring up of us. It's, a, it's, it's Him working things out in our life. Okay, it's, it's like... Um, I don't think Ty used this in the Second Look video uh, this week. Did you use the tree illustration in the Second Look video? You did? Okay. Well, if you want to hear a really good illustration of this, um, listen to the... Se or watch the Second Look video on the website. Ty uses a great illustration using, using a tree when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. I'll just leave it at that. Um, good advertisement for second look this week. What was that? Yes, good teaser for second look. Um, but as Paul said, there is an absolute certainty that righteousness will come. If you and I are in Christ, there is an absolute certainty that right, righteousness will come. So our second point this morning is number two, Christian freedom is big I, big S, 
It is walking with the Spirit. It is walking with the Spirit. In fact, that's where our power to be free comes from. Paul describes it in two ways. First, he says in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay? If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then in verses 16, he says walk. And in verse 25, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, now verse 18, the word for walk in verse 18, or to be led by the Spirit, is passive. But verse 25, the verb that's used there is a a completely different word than the word that's used even in verse 16, and it's a very active word. Uh, The verb in verse 18 is used of a farmer herding cattle, of a shepherd leading sheep, of soldiers escorting a prisoner to court or to prison, or of wind driving a ship, or hail, or rain. In 1 Corinthians, Paul uses the word uh, in reference to Satan leading people astray. In Luke, it's used in the context of the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the wilderness to face temptation. He was led there. Active on Jesus. Or passive on Jesus. Active on the Holy Spirit. As our leader, the Holy Spirit takes the initiative. He's the one leading us and empowering us to put to death the things of the flesh. To crucify them. And and He forms within us holy and heavenly desires. There have been times when you've gone to the Word and you've gone to a passage and it's been very clear and and you understand it. It's like, wow, that is a command for me from God. That is the Holy Spirit leading you. There are many times in our lives when the Holy Spirit leads us. Now, there's some caution there. Sometimes we can think the leading of the Holy Spirit is in fact the Holy Spirit when it's just us wanting something to come true. We must be sure to to be checking it out with His Word and to be praying about it. But there's two different types of words there. The Holy Spirit, the first is He's leading us, empowering us. But again, it's it's a great mistake to think that we just have to kick back, put up our feet on our desks or our dashboards and sit passively. Because Paul doesn't stop there. In verse 16, which is a very ordinary verb for walking, he uses a different word in verse 25. This word refers literally to people being drawn up in line. It it means to walk in line or be in line with. John Stott says it this way. He says, It is used, this word, of believers who by sharing Abraham's faith are said to walk in line with his footsteps or follow his example, Romans 4.12. Similarly, it describes Christians who walk in line with the position they have so far attained, Philippians 3.16, or the requirements of the law, Acts 21.24, or the truth of the gospel, Galatians 6.16. In each of these cases, there is a rule, a standard, or a principle which is being followed. And in Galatians 5.25, this rule or line is the Holy Spirit Himself and His will. So to walk by the Spirit is deliberately to walk along the path 
or according to the line which the Holy Spirit lays down. The Spirit leads us, but we are to walk by Him or according to His rule. It's like when you come to Christ and, and the Holy Spirit enters your life, like that financial commercial, this green line appears before you. Right? And He's leading you and then He's also giving you the direction to go, the line to follow. And it takes action on our parts in, in seeking those, searching those out. So as we crucify the flesh, as we turn away from what we know to be wrong, we are walking by the Spirit. We're, we're setting ourselves to follow what we know to be right. We reject the other path, and we follow this path. We turn from what is evil in order to occupy ourselves with what is good. And, and if it is important to be ruthless in turning away from things, which Paul has already said, it's just as important for us to be disciplined in turning towards the things of the Spirit for righteousness. The Bible says we are to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, to seek the things that are above, to set our minds on things that are above, to think about these things, whatever is true Honorable, just, pure, lovely, and gracious, Paul says. Think about those things. Well, the only reason you and I would ever want to think about those things is because the Holy Spirit is working out righteousness within us. Otherwise, we're only going to be thinking of ourselves and what we can gain from other people. We would be indulging in the flesh. And, and this will be seen in our entire way of life, in the leisure occupations that we pursue, the books that we read, the friendships that we have. Above all, in what older authors called a diligent use of the means of grace, that is, in a disciplined practice of prayer and Scripture meditation, in fellowship with believers who provoke us to love and good works, in keeping the Lord's Day as the Lord's Day and in attending public worship and the Lord's Supper, which we are celebrating here today. And in all these ways, we occupy ourselves with spiritual things. And, and we are opening up our hearts and our minds for the Holy Spirit to work. And we are, in essence, walking with Him. It's not enough to yield passively to the Spirit's control. We must also walk actively in the Spirit's way. And remember... Paul is talking here about sanctification, not justification. Okay? That's very important for us to recognize. Um, I just did a wedding yesterday for Katie Winget over in Grant, Nebraska, if you know Katie. And uh, as always, when we meet way before and we go through premarriage counseling and... Uh, um, I've told you before I won't do a wedding unless they will submit to premarriage counseling. Um, it's tough enough without knowing what you're getting yourself into. Um, it's difficult. But one of the things that I mentioned to them, and I draw it in a triangle form, and I put God at the top of the triangle, and I put Katie at the bottom right angle, and I put Cameron at the bottom left angle, and I say, okay, you guys, here's the deal from the get-go. And this is evident in my own life, my, uh, my relationship with my wife. This happens. As you two individually are seeking the Lord and seeking to be obedient with Him and to walk in the Spirit, 
as you are drawing nearer and closer to God, as you move up that, uh, up that angle on that triangle, what happens to the distance between you and Cameron? It gets closer. Your relationship is more fulfilling. It's more at peace. You treat each other better. You're more humble. You're more loving. You're more patient. You're more kind. You're more thoughtful. Why is that? It's because you're being filled with the Spirit and God is doing a work in your life to fashion you the way that He wants you to be fashioned. In doing that, you are then able to operate in the way that He created you for relationship. And I can see it in my own life and in the life of my wife. It, it, it bears itself out in the kind of in the radio stations that we choose to listen to when we're in the car? Do I go for a secular station or do I go for a, you know, am I at 80s on the 8 or am I listening to the message? Wherever my mind is in reference with the Holy Spirit is which side I go typically. And and our relationship operates that way as well. And some of the ways that we can walk with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned them already briefly. Just a couple other things. Um, Sinking ourselves into the Word, into God's Word. Reading our Bibles, meditating on that, thinking about that, praying on that. Lord, teach me. Holy Spirit, fill me, teach me, show me, guide me. In, In our prayer times, conversations with God, have them constantly throughout the day. When you're driving down the road, Not, not much unlike our relationship with a, a husband or a wife. You know, there's, there's just this constant communication. There should be this constant communication. Conversations with the Spirit. Posing questions. And, and most importantly, and something that I really struggle with because I'm, I, I, I can't sit for very long. I go home, I, I, I'm like, oh, i got a couple hours. I'm just going to sit on the deck, I'm going to uh, drink some iced tea, and I'm there for like ten minutes, and I'm twiddling my thumbs, and I'm tapping my foot, and i got to find something to do. But something that, we would, that would serve us all well to do in our relationship with God, in, in seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to walk with Him, would be to listen. To take some time out of the day where we just are quiet. My kids reminded me the other day that, um, of that time that I went to the cabin when I first started as pastor here and I was going to spend, I think it was four days, completely unplugged. No phone, no radio, no TV, nothing. Since then, I've read some studies on social deprivation. <laughs> and I totally understand it. I, I was, by the end of the second day, I was feeling feverish. I couldn't eat. I, 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 was, I was going crazy. I mean, the first two days I was there, this was in, like, I think it was October, early October. It snowed. I couldn't go outside. It was blizzarding. I didn't even want to walk from the house to the outhouse. It was so bad outside. And I'm there by myself with just my thoughts and with God. And it was hard. And, and my kids reminded me the other day, the other day that because um, we were talking about being quiet and silent before the Lord. They're like, you couldn't do it. Why should I try to do it? Well, you know, going cold turkey for four days, I would not advise that. 
I think we need to work ourselves up to that. And I honestly think that is some, one of the disciplines that, that you need to write down and that maybe you need to practice is just being silent before the Lord. Take a walk at the river. Go sit on your desk. Something. Maybe take your Bible, maybe read a passage and then just set it aside and just listen and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let's walk with the Spirit. Let's walk with the Spirit. And then finally, it's in this walking in the Spirit that we find purpose. We find reasons to live. We, we see that there are many things that we are free for. Free for righteousness. And, and our lives begin bearing fruit. It's, it's, it's an ability. And, and then we have the desire. And it's free for righteousness. That's the last one. And, and I'm just going to leave you with this. Let's, um, I know there's lots of bullet points left in your notes. And I want you to fill those out this week. I want you to take a look at 5.22 through 26. And I want you to list those. And I want you to think about those. I want you to write down what that looks like in your life. And ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate your understanding of these things in your own life and your life with other people. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. I love that statement. There's no law against these things. You can do them all day long, every day for the rest of your life. Just do them. Do them. And in the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, he goes on, verse 25, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Because in Jesus Christ, we are free. We are free indeed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Father, I pray that you would help us to recognize and understand what this really means in our life and Father, help us to understand what it means to be, to be filled with the Spirit and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, yet be actively a part of that. Sometimes we can get confused there, and sometimes, Lord, we can be deceived into thinking that it's these doing these things that's really giving us favor to You. And I pray, Father, that, that we have all come from this study of the book of Galatians and we all recognize that there just is nothing we can do to earn Your favor any more or any less than what You already offer. Lord, help us to see the freedom. Help us to experience the release of anxiety in that truth. And then, Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength that we would seek to be filled with your Spirit as we desire righteousness, which in Christ is an absolute certainty. And thank you for what you've spoken to each one of our individual hearts and minds this morning. Lord Jesus, now we want to lift your name even further as we come to the communion table and as we celebrate that sacrifice which you made. In Jesus' name, amen.